I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I can follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, presented by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. My name is Pete, and you know my co-host, Robbie, and this is a Sons of Saturday podcast. Robbie, how'd you like that game on Saturday? Ooh, it felt good. Uh, it felt man. so good. Man, you... Uh... Don't talk smack leading into football games. That's just, just don't do it. Don't, no. don't talk smack and it'll always backfire. So it was, Robbie's referring to uh, the opposing quarterback's comments and, um, you know, a little RIP to, to Mr. Calandria on his tagline there because we put a hurting on that kid. <laughs> like that is, that is for sure. I said, let's stuff him in a locker and <laughs> that we did. Uh, why don't you give us a cheers? Um, uh, this is going to be a, a, a triple here. Uh, a cheers to the team and getting up for a very important game for the fans, for former players, for everybody. Um, and so really proud of them in the way that they played. Rest in peace, Bell. The Bell the Fish has gone and and moved on to another world in a better place, as I told my daughter. Uh, we... we it was a it was a Thanksgiving miracle. We woke up Thanksgiving Day and Bell was dead finally. And it was we didn't have to cut off Bell's head or smash Bell with a rock. So I <laughs> in the night peacefully passed away. It was as my wife and I said jokingly, it was a Thanksgiving miracle. And um yeah, and I would also like to thank uh, Anthony Calandria for talking some smack and really incentivizing our team to go out there and, uh, and put a hurting on them. So that was, that was awesome. Yes. Cheers. And rest in peace, bell. <laughs> yeah. It is nice. You didn't have to dispose of the fish while it was kind of still alive. That makes it, <laughs> makes it easier for everyone to stomach. But, um, there may be some, some references to the fish in the calls a little bit later <laughs> when we get to that. Let's start with the playoff rankings. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw me pop them up on the screen briefly during Robbie's cheers. And there was a couple surprising things with these. And number one for me is number one. I thought Michigan would be number one after this past week when they beat Ohio State. But Georgia is still number one. Michigan is number two. Washington is number three. And Florida State is number four. Did you have any immediate reaction to the top four? Was it similar to mine? Same reaction that you had. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you think that the committee was going to put Michigan as number one, or are you saying that you thought that Michigan should have been number one? 
I think I think both. Okay. Like I think that Michigan should have been number one, and I think the committee. I could have sworn the committee was going to do that because I agree. It's I agree with you. Undefeated Ohio State. Ohio State was number two, right? So yeah. going into last week, they beat number two. Georgia beat Georgia Tech without some guys, but nevertheless, like it wasn't a, a blowout. I would agree. So I just thought because they could have they could have easily said after next weekend if Georgia wins again to put Georgia one. They just had to wait till Georgia beat Bama. So that's what I thought they were going to wait to do, but they didn't do that. And so um, I think it's what they should have done. Uh, and it, 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 yeah. it seems like it. I think Michigan should be number one. And then maybe if Georgia beats Alabama, then you could you could, you know, potentially make the justification to, to flop them again. But it's 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 whatever. Or do you think they're sending a message here? And we'll get into just a couple of scenarios before we get to all the hokey stuff. That, okay, Georgia, we find just the clear, far and away, number one. They beat number nine on this list. They beat number 11 on this list in Mizzou and Ole Miss. They also beat number 21 in Tennessee. And that way, if Bama beats them, it gives them more leeway to put Bama into the playoff above a Texas, let's say. Do you think that? <laughs> and, I, and look, that's a little bit more of a conspiracy and sinister thought. But it something that I have been toying with was just the idea that if Bama were to beat Georgia, it puts the SEC in a very dangerous position. Yes. I think that's probably... I think it has more to do with carryover from <clears throat> last season and the yeah. fact that Georgia has been rolling for so long. And, and I can... I know you'll you'll hear some people on podcasts talk a lot about it's a new season, forget last year there's something to be said when a team is rolling the way that Georgia has, and it has to do with their recruiting, their talent, your confidence that they will do it in any given game. There's a lot of things that go into momentum and intimidation factor. So if you're trying to pick the number one team, there is a lot of intimidation that comes along with Georgia that doesn't exist at present with Michigan, but you know, that's, that's not supposed to be, Part of the math, I think it is part of the math. Yeah, they see the G on the helmet. They see the natties. They see the fact that they destroyed a team in the national championship that Michigan lost to. And so mm-hmm. it, that it's, it is hard to separate that from the mentality when you go into eye test type of language. And that, that is something to segue they said about Oregon. Because you'll notice Oregon's at number five. They're not just one spot ahead of Texas now. They are two spots ahead of Texas. And the argument that that Oregon won't get in if they win, to me, doesn't hold any water because they would beat an undefeated Washington who's sitting at number three. They're already two spots ahead of Texas, and they're not playing. Texas isn't playing an undefeated team in the Big 12 title game. Now, something that could help Texas is Bama beating Georgia because then that makes that Bama game look even better. And, and you have to, in theory, with the head-to-head, keep Texas in front of Bama. So would that push Texas into the playoff? It very well may. And that's why they, the SEC has an issue. Now, whether the committee will actually abide by that issue and, and adhere to the rankings they've already put out, I don't know. But in every single ranking we've seen this year, Oregon has been ahead of Texas. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wild. I think in my notes, what I had here as a broader takeaway was it's remarkable to me that we have four 12 and 0 teams and four 11 and 1 teams. <laughs> yeah. That is really what we're that's what we're talking about here. It is 
crazy to be here having finished the regular season with eight teams with one loss or less. And to that, to that end, the Tom Fernelli who has died on this hill of it should still be a 14 playoff looks so stupid. It, it looks BCS. Stupid. He's one of the only people that keep that is on that still. And I just, I just don't agree his point about there being so much intrigue with the four. It's absolutely true this season. And, and it, but it works both ways because yes, going into the last weekend of championship games, I can't remember a year where there was this many possibilities for the four. Like it, it just seems wild this season, but there's also like 12 really good teams. Like that I think would all like Oklahoma's number 12 right now. LSU's number 13. Like either of those teams could give the the top teams a game this year. And so, not every year do I believe that. And so because of the chinks in the armor we've seen from Georgia and Michigan and Washington and FSU. And so the only sure things to me is the winner of the Pac-12 is getting into the playoff. The, I believe that to be almost 100%. Yes, it has to be. And then Florida State winning and getting in. And Michigan, obviously, winning and getting in. Like, I, I don't mean Florida State is going to win. I just mean if they win, they are in because be they in. will be undefeated. They might be the four, but they will be in. I would agree with that. Um, and and I get it. The intrigue right now going into the championship games is very, very high. That intrigue would still be just as high if in the playoff with a 12-team playoff with these teams. And this is the way college football is going. That You and I talked about it throughout the season, even as it got towards later in the season, with increased parity. It's not just two teams every year. It's more like it's funneling down with transfers and people becoming more mobile. Teams are becoming more competitive and more quickly becoming more competitive year from year to year. So it's awesome. I'm so excited for these games coming up, but I'm also so excited for the future of college football. And you have to understand that in the 12-team playoff, the tiered format of getting a bye, getting a home game, and having to go on the road into someone else's school and campus, those are all valuable things to be fighting for through the last two weeks of the season. Like If you're in the top four, and just like now, it's extremely important because you can compete for the title. You might say going forward, if you don't get a bye, you can't win the national championship. Like yep. It's going to be exceedingly hard to win the national championship without a buy. And so those top four spots are still going to be extremely valuable in the last weekend. I wanted to mention one thing about the G five here, because we got Tulane at number 22 and Liberty is in there at number 24. Do you think that if SMU beats Tulane and Liberty goes undefeated, that Liberty would be the highest ranked G five or would SMU jump them? 13 and 0 Liberty team versus an SMU that just came off of the Tulane win. I think they would give it to Liberty, but I'm not sure. It, 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 I would be very interested. That is a great, that would be a great win for SMU to cap off the season. And I don't, I don't know, but my yeah. guess is they would go with the undefeated team with Liberty. I think they would too, because you have to keep in mind, Tulane is only two spots ahead of them. Their only loss is to Ole Miss, and they have. The UTSA win, they have some other, a couple other nice wins, better wins than uh, than SMU has, and SMU has the extra loss. So yeah, I think an undefeated Liberty over what's a very good New Mexico State team would would be would be the New Year Six. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I don't want Liberty in a New Year <laughs> Six game. I'll tell you that right now. Um, all right, 
all ACC selections. Let's start talking about the Hokies. Second team, all ACC. We had APR on the D-line. We had all-purpose uh, Tootin, and he was a second teamer as well. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm looking at this, and yeah, Tootin's on there a couple different times, but for second team, he is for the all-purpose back role. Third team is Tucker Holloway at punt return and Dorian Strong at DB. And we have a few honorable mentions. Pollard on the DL, right tight end. Lawson, linebacker, Tootin at running back, honorable mention, and kicker John Love is honorable mention. What, which one of these do you think is the biggest snub for not being a tier higher? John Love, and I'm not even sure it's close. (laughs) (laughs) I I looked at his stats. I am not a, I did not look at everybody's stats, Mm -hmm. but I do know that John Love this year, where I put this, oh, where did I drop down the notes? Here we go. Uh, he, oh, damn it. he went 20 for 22 in um, field goals. And I think he went six for seven from 40 to 49 yards. He didn't have any beyond 49 yards. And then he had, he made every single extra point. He didn't miss. He didn't have one uh, missed extra point or one blocked all all season. So uh, I know that's. I said that jokingly, but I was actually very surprised. I thought that he would have been. I thought he would have been higher too. To not be on any of the three teams, that just he's like ninth in the country in percentage or something. Like he's way up there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. 30, 39 for 39 in extra points and 20 for 22 in field goals and six for seven in 40 to 49 yards, which is the longest range that he can. And that's own. the money stat right there. Yes. You know, to, in, for a college kicker to make that percentage over 40 yards, including a couple in this past game and some cold weather. Yeah. I mean, that was a nice performance. And that, that that's a shocker to me. APR not being first team with that amount of sacks being as high up as he was. I feel like that's a, a big snub. Tucker Holloway is one of the best punt returners in the country, and he's on third team all ACC. <laughs> yeah, he's he's eighth in the nation in return yards average, uh, which also it roughly equates to total return yards as well. Yeah. When you for for those folks, they just typically somehow the stats come out. Do they mostly have the same amount of returns? But uh, eighth in the nation in in average return yards, and he ends up on the third team. Doesn't make any sense to me. And perhaps the biggest snub of them all, Dorian Strong, who had an absolutely ridiculous year, and part of which went unnoticed because the ball simply wasn't being thrown his way for good reason. They were afraid that that twenty eight percent completion percentage or whatever it was. Um, or catch percentage. I can't remember the exact stat. Like it was by far one of the best seasons any tech DBs ever had. And we've had a lot of good ones. And I know we didn't face like a murderer's row of quarterbacks every week, but the statistics he put up against the competition we faced was outstanding. Yes. Uh, Huge snub there. APR was a big snub and APR is also a snub. In what makes me angry uh, is the amount of like QB hurries that he had, the amount of pressure that he got that didn't just end in stats on the board. He yeah. caused a lot of, even in this past game, he came away with what, one and a half sacks in that game or one sack in this past game. He Quite was half, all, yeah. yeah, he was all over the place and causing havoc. It just didn't show up on the stat sheet, but he had a very, very good game. Uh, but Payne uh, obviously had a, a better one. But yeah, that those 
I think were the snubs that I noticed that you know, bothered me the most. I guess you could make maybe an argument for Pollard to be on like a third team or something, but at mm-hmm. that point you're splitting hairs. Yeah. I, and, and even running back, like if you want to factor in offensive line and I was talking to the oh. boundary corner guys last night uh, on their podcast, they had me as a guest and like, I'm like, listen, if you can factor in your offensive line and then put the best running back based on that, it's like Tootin should be first team oh. far and away. Like the yeah. kid was absolutely unreal. So yeah, he, he should have been a third team running back at the very least. I thought rather than honorable mention, but yes, splitting hairs at that point. Nice to see that many guys get recognized period. And let's move to a little bit of sad news before we get into uh, some of our other notes. Portal update. Daquan Wright has entered the portal. Uh, I guess that means if you're entering now, does that mean he's a graduate? Like he could, but I feel like he'd be too young for that. I can't remember the exact, I can't remember the exact rules. I thought that if you're already entered, that means you're a graduate because it's not the fourth yet, but I could be wrong. Either way. He's leaving. He's a very talented player, made a lot of nice plays for us. You, you just heard me mention that he's he was recognized by all ACC in the honorable mention category. And so it's a loss. It, it's a big time loss. We do have Harrison St. Germain. We do have Benji. We might be getting Nick Gallo back. So it's not. And Zeke Wimbush is, is in there in the mix as well. We have some options, but Daquan was playing as a true freshman because out of necessity, but because he was one of the few playmakers we had on the roster. Correct. I something yeah, he can't be he there. can't be a graduate because he's yeah. only he's only a second year. Yeah. So I I don't know I I don't know why he's transferring there. So maybe he just you know wants to go find somewhere else to go. I did notice he didn't have a touchdown on the year, which huh. that was interesting to me given yeah, he is he was the third leading receiver on the Hokies this year uh in terms of both yards and I think total number of receptions and he had zero touchdowns which I could see somebody being like I want to go somewhere where I can make a little bit more impact in the end zone or something along those lines it, it certainly seemed it. like he was getting opportunities I know and, I, and, I agree and with you I, I think uh, just based on a, a couple tea leaves, it sounds like uh, there could be other. It's not playing time related. It's just situational, yeah. whatever. I also think, with regard to the graduation thing, that guys are are saying they're intending, they're announcing, but they're not technically in yet. You understand what I'm saying? It's I like he has put off the he had put out the intent to enter the portal in a couple days. So I, got I you. think that's what it is. CFB Monday this past Monday at 9 a.m. I had Pat Finn on as a guest. He was at the game in Charlottesville, and he's one of the original Sons of Saturday, so I thought it would be good to finally have one of those guys on CFB Monday, and he did not disappoint. sounded like a great day. I was very jealous of all the videos and the end zone celebrations going on with all the Hokie fans, and I even saw some of those T-shirts that said Lane Stadium North on them. Like People had them in the end zone. Oh, I did not see that. Oh, dude, I'm going to put one out on our Instagram account a little bit later tonight. Um I want one of those shirts, but yeah. it was, it was cool to see so many fans there and he was a great guest really gave me some good, uh, some nuggets and some perspective on the Commonwealth cup because he's been a fan of the Hokies his entire life, probably uh, longer than even you or I have. Cause he grew up in it and I, I didn't really become a tech fan until I got to college. So, uh, right. Pat was a great guest. Good. Check that, check that one out. I've, I've posted it. It's on the live tab on the sons of Saturday channel. And also just the Pat portion of CFB Monday is on the video section. So you can find it in two different places there. 
pick'em leaders. Some spread hot is running away with this thing. He is up six wins on Tech Triumph going into the last weekend. So barring a collapse, it looks like some spread hot is going to get it. Tech Triumph second, Hokey Hustler third. You've heard those names all year. Those guys have been remarkably consistent, remarkably consistent. So nice job. This is the last week, which is championship week. There are 10 picks still on there, and there's some good games, and Robbie and I are going to talk about them later. Men's basketball, before we get to the game recap, they beat Boise State on Thanksgiving night, and the next night they beat Iowa State, which is a really good win. Could be a Q1 win at the end of the year. But then the weekend kind of ended with a dud on Sunday. <laughs> it was a really good Thanksgiving weekend. And I don't even think a lot of our fans cared that we got our butts kicked by FAU on Sunday. I didn't know until you put this on the agenda to go back. And I, I've, I've been checked out for a bit. And I went and looked at what happened in the FAU game. And I was like, what on earth? You know, <laughs> what happened? And, and then I looked at the, the score. It was 32-24 at halftime. Yeah, so it wasn't, it like, wasn't like out of hand yet at all. And, and no. It, 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 and I, when does that, that hasn't happened. You know, that type of thing, we have not gotten blown out by anyone, even like a Duke or UNC really during the Mike Young era, we tend to really fight to the end. And this, this, <laughs> this did not go like that. Now that's a final four team from last year. Yeah. It's probably a top 15, top 20 team. They're ranked in the top 20, but right. they might be even better than that. And so there's not shame in the loss and nor do I really want to dwell on it too much because the previous two days were really nice, solid wins. Now tonight, I think it's getting started right now. The Auburn game Auburn, uh, in the ACC SEC challenge. There is no more ACC big 10 challenge. We are, we are on to the SEC. This is first year. The women got started and the men got started last night. Our women are taking on LSU tomorrow. Angel Reese is back despite oh. being suspended. She is going to be back for the Hokies game. They have ripped off. LSU has ripped off seven straight wins. And since that opening night where they lost to Colorado and everyone was like, Whoa, Whoa, what was that about? Well, they got stuff on track, even without Angel Reese in the lineup, they just beat UVA by three did the LSU women. So that is going to be an absolute slug fest. Uh, that is tomorrow night on one of the, one of the ESPNs, but I can't can't wait to check that out. A rematch of our of our hard loss last year. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough, and I'm not going to dwell on the men men too much in that that game. But it has been a while since we've gotten blown out that bad, and I thought it was a little bit in the in a very Mike Young type way, kind of funny. Afterwards, they interviewed him, and he was like, "Yeah, this goes without saying. They uh, they outplayed us." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not much to say there, and it's like our Louisville game in football. It, it's a it's a burn the tape, you know. It, it's a it's a just throw it in the garbage and let's let's move on to the next because we got we got Auburn and then we play Louisville on the third. Yeah, get, get an ACC game under our belt. So let's get into the game recap, Rob. We had a promising drive right away. A little bit of a penalty situation. Had to settle for a field goal. But to me, we still showed on that first drive that we were ready to play and that we were going to move the ball. A couple drives later, we had the fourth and two just inside UVA territory. Drones rolls. He hits Gosnell for the fourth down touchdown, and we were off and running. And other than that fumble, 
inside the five yard line. And it's, this is a credit to Sanker because he played an awesome game and yep. and was the only thing that gave UVA a shot. They couldn't stop us really. Like uh, the, other than that fumble, we got it to 24, nothing at the half in the third quarter. We put up 24 more points, including the 84 yarder, including the kickoff return. It was 38 to three. And the route was absolutely on. We added 17 more points after that 38 even had a drive led by Grant Wells, and he got us in the end zone on on a uh, on a handoff, <laughs> fifty five yes. to seventeen. Hokies win, and we stormed Scott Stadium's field yet again. Yes, oh, so much to unpack here. So much goodness to uh, unpack. Uh, I, want I do to- want to give a I do want to, I'll give a quick head hat tip to Sanker though that that guy's a stud and yeah. he played well in in this game. Otherwise, uh, the Hokies really dominated. I was a little bit worried when we came away with that field goal early on, but quickly my worries were quelled, and I was I was rest assured to uh, that we were going to do well. The, um, the hey, offense was great. Uh, I want to give you a great. second to think about your story of the game, and mm-hmm. I'm going to play the calls. All right. What's up, Pete and Robbie? This is Coach Holmes calling from snow-covered Colorado on a absolutely glorious Saturday after Thanksgiving where it was an ass-whipping from beginning to end. Leading up to it, especially the way Calandra was talking about us, I wanted some blood, and thank God Pride did too. And man, did we go scorched earth. I mean, we took flamethrowers to the field. The defense dominated early. The offense kept the pressure on throughout the entire game. Scoring the most points in Commonwealth Cup history, making them eat dirt all game long. Too deep nation, brother. Let me tell you something. Came into Charlottesville, Virginia, dude. Ran wild. Oh, hey, you know what time it is? It's 9.29 p.m. And And you still soft! Go Hokies! I deem this regular season a success. This was a step forward. We get 15 more bowl, bowl practices on our way to a game. Well, I don't know where that's going to be, but I'll be damn sure watching. What a win. I'll stay, baby. Let's go. A real quick story. I donated a bunch to the uh, NIL collective there, and uh, they let me send a uh, recorded message to the team. They got to play it before the game, and I just told them, look, we got a buddy out here. Uh, his kids fish can't shit good right now, and, and we really need y'all to get this win against Virginia. Uh, really stomp a mud hole in him so he can get the mud out of him, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, I'm not saying I was critical to victory. I'm just saying I was integral, okay? Oh, Robbie, help the fish. <laughs> oh, man, I love well, that. When he first said I donated a bunch of money to the NIL, yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. Like, it sounds like I didn't know they would play a message for the team, but I could see Triumph maybe doing something. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, here we go. Here, <laughs> here we, we go. go. <laughs> uh, that was that was absolutely fantastic. Oh, what my. a great way to end the regular season of calls. So many good ones in there. Thank you, Coach Holmes. Thank yes. you to all of our regular callers. The Berlins called in, Hokey Hack, um, some names I don't know. Uh, yes. There was a Laney Gaga in there. Like sometimes before, what, before I cut them up, people will tell me who they are at the beginning of the call, but it doesn't make, make uh, that. But uh, but yes, thank you for everyone that called in. I really loved it. And if you want to get in on the reaction line during the bowl game, I'll tweet it out during the game because you're going to forget. But it's five four zero two five one two one six nine. Now I did want to play just a, a bonus call, and this was oh, from no. this is from a friend of ours named Richard. And it, 
it's a it's a little crude, but that's okay because it kind of relates, and I, I we can kind of apply this to the game. You ever take a trip down to Blacksburg for a for a game, and you're driving down 81, and the night before you're out at the bars, and you had a greasy breakfast, and you're really worried you're going to have to take a dump at Love's at earliest, maybe in a terrible place before that, and you get all the way down, and you go to Tots, and you're good, and you made it, and then the next day you get up. And you're fine then too. This is that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because like, yeah, it's a silly call and whatever. And but we love some bathroom humor on this show. But it's kind of true that leading up to that game, it, there was that nervous feeling that that morning when you wake up to go for a car ride. And I, I hate early morning car rides because because I might have to go, might have yeah. to pull over. And loves um, is not not ideal. So, uh, <laughs> no, but we we get to the bathroom or we just don't have to go and everything's fine. And that's what this game was like. Cause in the first quarter, in the second quarter, it was like, Oh, Oh, this isn't going to be a disaster. I'm not going to go in my pants. Like this is, <laughs> is going to be all good. And we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And we made it. Boy, did we ever make it most points ever in the rivalry. Like I said, 24 points in the third quarter alone, 500 yards of offense, tied our season high for yards per play with 8.33. But the the thing that stands out is that 55. I mean, we wanted a 50 burger for a couple of years now. (laughs) Keep going back, right? We got it and we got it against UVA to go to a bowl. I mean, how sweet is that? You, you really can't beat it. Uh, The 50 burger felt, felt nice. I, I thought we were going to get held up in the forties for a minute there. And then, um, you know, and then Wells came in and he, he brought us to, brought us to Graceland. The story of the game for me, yes. there's, there's two, one, the players showing up when they really, really needed to. And they showed once again, that Virginia tech football takes this game very seriously, uh, in, in a season where we've had plenty of ups and downs and we've laid some, some stinkers on the on the field and this was anything but that but the the thing that came away from the game for me was them just going after calandria just it, it was incessant it was the entire game uh there was at one point in the game where apr had just got a personal foul for roughing them in the very next play, usually you're like hands off, you know, that kind of thing. The next play, he went after Calandria again, and they pulled him off the field. You see that? Yeah. They took APR off, out, of the, out of the game for the series. And I was like, man, they were really pissed about that dude's comments. Like, they really were out to just make him as sore as humanly possible. I don't know if they were out for injury, but it was pretty damn close. Yeah, and I wonder about APR on that. Was the first one kind of a mistake, and the second one, he's like, you know what, screw it, I'm doing it again. You know, I, I because the first one we were we had them all the way backed up. You really don't want a penalty in that situation. Yep. But it happened, and it's like, okay, we'll shake it off. And we did the second one. It's like you just have to laugh. It was yeah. just like, okay, we're we're doing this now. Yes. And the kid just got the snot kicked out of him. I mean, there was a couple. They showed a couple of views on the on the camera of just him looking defeated. He did keep getting up because yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, one of the couple of those times 
when he's completely airborne, like like yeah. a rag doll getting tossed around. I didn't expect him to get up or like pain falls on him or APR falls on him. Mm-hmm. I, but he kept getting up. He kept missing throws. So that yeah. was nice. And I do think there was a little bit of happy feet going on because of the hits. And that's what oh, ends yeah. up happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my story of the game was similar to yours. It was just that we were dialed in to dominate this game. Pretty much from the start, we were absolutely dialed in. And let's let's go to the defense since we're already talking about it. Yeah. We sacked him five times, and we had eight hurries. That's yeah. double any other game this year. A total of, of 14 of sacks and hurries because we had another sack uh, mm-hmm. at a different time that wasn't on Calandria. So, yep. so many pressures, so many hits, and <sighs> – 10 total tackle for loss. I mean, this yeah. this defense played ferociously, and you look at the final numbers, they look way better than it actually went. Oh, yeah. It, 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 was, it was crazy. Tisdale played an outstanding game. He was critical, um, led the team in, in tackles. Uh, Payne was – Payne and Cole Nelson, APR for has uh, – as, um, much havoc as he caused the people that you really noticed even more than that were Payne and Cole Nelson, just because of the hits that they were putting on him. But Payne had three sacks or had a sack and three tackles for a loss. Cole Nelson uh, had two sacks and two uh, tackles for loss. Um, it was, and then Mansour Delane with the interception and just outstanding, you know, um, coverage throughout um, out the game. It, it was a, a dominant performance and quite frankly i think if they really wanted to they probably could have held um this game at like zero or three and if they really felt like they wanted to like you know carry this thing out for for the full time if you know what i mean yeah because in the first half when when the game was actually still in contention you know how many yards had they had they had um 63 yards in the first half that's it and malik only had 26. Uh, he his his stats looked great at the end of the game, but when the game actually mattered, they couldn't do anything. And so the first six drives for UVA, they had 37 yards. I said the 63 in the first half. Nelson played awesome. You are absolutely right on that. Five breakups as a team, and and Dorian just he locked down Malik for the most part. Like when he needed to, he was he was more or less locked down. And I will say now, Calandre was missing a lot of throws because of the pressure, but it all the whole team came together and played a great defensive performance. Uh, Before we get to the offense, let me mention McCoy's auto repair in Radford because 2D Pokies under the influence is brought to you by McCoy's. We love supporting a local family owned and operated business. And that's what you get with them. They were established in 1980 and offer full service. They can take care of all those little things that you need. You can buy your tires there. You can get your oil changes there. There, There's nothing that they can't do. State inspections, uh, rebuilds. If you need your your engine rebuilt, they can freaking do it. Uh, So head to McCoy's to anytime this this winter, in the spring, get your tires, get all set up. It's going to be a cold one. It's already cold here in the Northeast. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Do you remember how mild it was last year? Yeah, I, I got a bad feeling about this winter. I'm, like I'm not feeling good about it at all. It's going to be, I think. <laughs> it is freezing out there today. We're known uh, for bounce back uh, you know, bad weather storms uh, the, or bad weather years the year after it's like that. 
So give McCoy's a call, 540-639-2933. Because if you can't get to the shop, they have that optional pickup and drop-off service. The number's right on your screen if you're, if you're watching on YouTube. It's 540-639-2933. You can also find them on Facebook. Super easy find. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. And we want to thank McCoy's for being a sponsor for this 2023 football season. We got another game left and we got basketball season. So you're going to keep hearing about McCoy's, but I did want to make sure that I thank them for their sponsorship with the football regular season. 55 points. We talked about it. And when you score 55 points, we got to compliment Tyler Bowen because the offensive play calling I thought was outstanding. Do you agree? I would agree. And it wasn't just, you know, Tucker Holloway's reverse that had us all, uh, you know, cheering when he took it to the house. It, it was uh, a well-balanced game, but it, you know, from passing to to running. I think we put the players in the right spot to um, to be effective, and the players executed on it as well. I, you know, huge credit to them as well as um, Tyler Bone and and what they called up. Uh, drones, you. In this game, it's remarkable. You think about how many points we score. And Drones, his passing efficiency wasn't great. He went 10 for 22 in this game, and he still had 244 yards um, and three touchdowns, and then another 50 on the ground. So, and, you know, and a fumble at the five-yard line. That would have been um, more points right there. So it, it's it's kind of wild, but uh, an outstanding game across the board. Yeah, it's funny when you look at Kyron's stats because – the percentage wasn't great on throws, but you look at the passer rating, 183.6. And that's because passer rating puts a high value on average per attempt. And he had a great average per attempt, 244 yards on 10 completions. Pretty darn good. Three <laughs> touchdowns on 10 completions. Pretty, pretty darn good. And if you add up his yards, it's 294 yards of offense. Uh, and not that many, like, action plays so to speak and so he was he was very efficient the the 84 yarder from felton that helps that helps and felton did drag some guys in the end zone um tootin was amazing at one point tootin had 120 yards on 10 carries and he lost a few at the end to bring down the average but he was at 10 yards a carry at one point with two touchdowns yeah and you and i hit on a number of times this year a word that you would not use for the Hokies all throughout the year would be explosive. And that's what they were in this game. It was explosive. It was explosive in the run game. It was explosive in the pass game. Uh, there were more long plays in this game than I recall probably in the last five games that we've played. It was remarkable that the 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 explosiveness that the team demonstrated out there. Yeah, and t- think about this game with the explosives compared to just last season. We yeah. we might have put out as many explosive plays, at least like in terms of length, uh, that we did all of last year. At least that's what it felt like, and that's why this mm-hmm. game was so awesome. The O line, we have to shout them out. Yeah, didn't give up a sack. We ran for two fifty two, something that earlier in the year we couldn't have even dreamed of, yeah. uh, but we've been doing it at a good clip ever since the pit game outstanding performance by the O-line as well. So a couple of our sore spots, Bowen and the O-line, and even quarterback, if you go back to the first couple games, what a difference. And I I know UVA's D isn't 
we knew this was a good matchup, right? We knew our O-line had a chance, but they absolutely were ready to go. They looked physical and you can have those games. There's been years in the past where we go up against UNC and you're like, oh, this UNC defense, it's terrible. Guess what happens that day? We can't move the ball. Right. Like, that happens. It, mm-hmm. it did not happen in this one. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly right. And um, I, the yes, the three big areas that we struggled with the most uh, showed up uh, towards the end of the season, which I don't think you could ask for anything more. If you want to see improvement from your team, and you were going to pick three areas that you needed to see it in, they showed up all the way in the last game of the season, uh, regular season, I should say. Uh, so a, a motivated ass-kicking all around, and then you you get to uh, Tootin, and what did you and I say last week? I, we said, I, what's going to happen next week? I, I We were like, this is one of those scenarios where he's like, okay, you're not going to give me the ball? If I get the ball, you're going to have to keep giving it to me. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. You had no choice but to get him the ball. Even in the kick return game, he was like, fine, I'm not done yet. I'll take it 94 yards for a touchdown just to, to shut up the UVA fans. And What a cool return that was, too. Awesome. Because it looked like he was kind of dead to rights on the sideline. Absolutely. And he just he was stopped. His feet had stopped. Right. And then he still you know made it through. We saw that multiple times in this game where – even on the, the touchdown that was called back by Jalen Lane, he had defenders in front of him yep. right through, like yep. just burst right through them with amazing speed. Felton, when he caught the 84 yarder, there were defenders in front of him right through Tootin, four or five defenders in front of him right through the speed that we played with and showed the athleticism over UVA, I thought was on full display. Now I know Malachi Fields and Malik are, are good players, but overall, as a roster, I think our talent, which yes. I think we've, we've talked about, I think it showed up. Like, I think we're, yeah. we're a more talented team than UVA, and it absolutely showed up on the field. Agreed. Final thoughts and takeaways from this game alone. I want to get to your season takeaways in a minute, but just from this game, what did you think about us storming their field? Ah. Uh. Yeah, I don't want to be a party pooper. You don't want my you don't want my take. <laughs> okay, the, the, okay. The, 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 yeah, I, it's there were so many fans. Like when they when they started streaming onto the field, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of fans. Like it, it looked was, like it was, was a home a crowd. <laughs> yeah, I guess after going back and reading, I think I didn't read his his post about it, but I think Andy Bitter was maybe talking. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but talking about how all the UVA fans had left. Like there was nobody. So in that sense, I guess it's not as bad because it really was mostly Virginia Tech fans that were in the stadium at that point. So why not just, you know, crawl out there? It's just, it's been a weird season and we've had plenty of black eyes that we've taken this season by some teams that I don't know if we're, we're really, you know, that's that we should be too too proud it's because we've done that before and it, it is it is a weird thing like and if i'm a uva fan like it just has to make you sick like yes. they're literally storming our fields smoking cigars for the second time in two years on yeah. our field like yeah what a what a massive l for uva and and a football team that had been playing better yeah after their bye, like they beat UNC, they almost beat Louisville. They took Miami to overtime. Like they were, 
playing with some moxie all the more reason we thought this could be a fight and yeah. it was they failed miserably and then mm-hmm. we storm their field and break out the cigars to the point we have sprinkler gate and do, yes, you, gate. do you think yeah. do you think that was on purpose oh definitely and it i also think purpose. i also think it's hilarious <laughs> yeah I, oh, it's, I, oh, it's it's great oh i i love it if it if I, if they were on our field, I would hope our grounds crew did the same thing. It, that yeah. is, that is funny. Like that is actually a, the funny thing to do. It's like, oh, they're out there taking pictures on our field. Okay, well, let's turn on the sprinklers. I, oh, that, there was that, no that, doubt in my mind. There's no timer. Yeah, you don't. You're not. Who I forget who said you're not watering the grass. I think it was Pry in November like that. Like <laughs> no. it's cold as hell out. There's no sun and you're yeah. watering the lawn 11 PM at night, like, or whatever time it was eight o'clock at night. Like you're not doing that. That was an nope. absolute on purpose. <laughs> no, nobody can be. And anybody that's mad about that is just, is taking life way too seriously because that's actually funny. Like you're yeah. doing no real damage or anything. Like this isn't where like you tear up somebody else's field or something like that. It's I... a completely harmless, hilarious thing to do. I just wish whoever it was that I wish one UVA anonymous staffer would be like, yeah, I did it. Oh <laughs> like yeah. That's what, that's what I want because their fans would love it and we would love it. Like that yeah. would, that would be great. Uh, all right. And then let's get back to some of the meat and potatoes here. Crushing your rival to become bowl eligible. We kind of already yeah. covered it, but the fact that this team got two road conference wins in November to get bowl eligible and to do it in that fashion, I, I asked Pat, what did he think about this Commonwealth Cup and how did he rank it from some of the ones he's seen? For me, it's up there with 07. It's up there with 2016 when, yep. you know, Fuente, like when, when we were kind of trying to get it back on top, yep. you know, that that was super satisfying. We beat them like 52 to 10 and we, you know, we're going to the ACC uh, championship. So, but this is up there, man, because there was a, there was so much hand wringing throughout the year that this one felt really good to, to win by that margin. Yes. And this was a big year for Pry that started to go very, very badly mm-hmm. for a minute there. And so you have, if you take it in the context of the full season, this was year two. We're all thinking, okay, let's see what happens. We put the wrong quarterback out to start the year. Not a great look in hindsight given what we saw in terms of uh performance from drones through the rest of the year once he came in and barely you know eligible to get to a bowl and then you you come out and you show them it's really meaningful to you that you want to go out there and not just win but kick some ass and get into a bowl game i think there's a lot deeper meaning here for pry and his head coaching tenure at Virginia Tech, even beyond just the UVA game and the Commonwealth Cup of it in itself. Yeah. I, I mean, this year too, he could have won five games. He could have won four games and, and he's not going to go anywhere. No. We, we know that like that there's a certain investment that's been made and you don't just pull the ripcord on a rebuilding coach, no. but to go to a bowl in year two and having him pass the in-state rival, you know, thing with flying colors, the way he did. Yeah. You have to come away 
feeling super good about the future. And, and if you don't, well, I think that's probably a you problem and you don't understand that this six and six season doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are so many things at play from the Fuente years, roster rebuild, relationships, all that kind of stuff. And to go to a bowl in year two is massive. It is massive for off-season mod- like momentum to yep. win that game against UVA. Similar to the Liberty game. Like if we had lost the Liberty game, I feel like last offseason would have been a bit different. It, yeah. A lot of it could have gone largely the same, but I think it just gave the fan base that little bit of hope like, hey, we've been a pretty decent Liberty team to end the year in their stadium. All right, may, maybe they started to turn the corner. And the end of this year was absolutely, it gave me that feeling. I would agree. Yep. Our six wins were by 19, and this I'm getting to the season overview point yeah. here. 19 to ODU, 17, 17, 28, 26, and 38 points. Those were the margins in our sixth victory. The only P5 teams to win five conference games by 17 plus, hmm. other than us, all ranked teams. Really? We're the only unranked team to win five conference games by 17 plus this year. Wow. It, and, and that is... Some of it's a scheduling quirk. We played the five worst teams in the conference. We also played the three best teams in the conference. So yes. <laughs> while while the ACC plays an unbalanced schedule, our schedule wasn't like so, so, so unbalanced. We played bad teams. We played good teams. We beat the bad teams and we lost to the good teams. Yeah. But we beat the bad teams soundly. Like we should. Like a, like a true kind of – second tier bottom second tier team in the ACC should we took care of the lower level teams and that that feels pretty darn good at least from a conference standpoint because losing those games are where you start to wonder if things are heading the right direction or like if what you start thinking about all of the improvement we have to make next year as opposed to saying hey can we continue this growth next year and those are two different things in my mind and think about the top teams in college football those teams that did beat five of their conference opponents by 17 plus well you're talking michigan ohio state penn state florida state georgia and mizzou not every one of georgia's games you know they didn't go out and beat georgia tech by 38 points yeah (laughs) and and that's georgia you know they didn't go out and destroy Vanderbilt leaving no question like they there was a couple maybe Vanderbilt was a bad example but you get my point <laughs> that Auburn South Carolina Georgia was in dogfights with a bunch of bad teams yep. and the bad teams that we played we put them down we put them in the turf and so uh that is a sign to me that we're on the road back to relevancy that is step one beat teams yep. you're supposed to beat and if you can beat them down yep I would agree with that um let's take a quick break and then i want to get back to uh, just how you would rate this season overall and some of our final numbers and stats yeah 2d pokies under the influence is brought to you by roback roback is a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity and the holidays are here and roback has so many good gifts you can't think of what to get your brother-in-law buy him a roback hoodie buy him a roback polo he's not going to dislike it He's a dude. Same thing goes for, for your sister-in-law, your sisters, your mom. Get her tennis skirt, joggers, quarter zip, whatever. They've got it all over at Roback. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DVT. 
Maybe it's not your first, first order. It could be your wife's. It could be your sister's. It could be your dog's first order. I don't know. Make an email address. Use code 2DVT and get 20% off those Christmas gifts. You're going to want to do that. You're going to want to load up that cart. Roback stuff is awesome. I've got their polo. I've got their hoodie. I'm putting in an order for my brother-in-law. That's why I brought it up because I yeah. got to get him some stuff and I know he's going to love that hoodie. So that's on my list. So get on there, order the Commonwealth, order the Berg. They have those beautiful shirts with the maroon des- maroon and uh, Virginia designs on there. They've got all kinds of city designs. Say you live in Philly or you live in Boston. They've got designs for you uh, and all their golf stuff. You know, Robbie is, is top oh, notch. Yes. The, the materials are super light and super comfortable to get that. They're like stretchy. So it's yes. not gonna it's not gonna mess up your backswing. Nope. <laughs> you can you can swing freely in them, and if uh, and you can you can have that swagger and that versatility in the bar as well. So it, it goes both Very ways. True. It doesn't Very it doesn't true. have to just be on the golf course. And I seen a ton of twenty two year olds wearing them. I see the forty year old dudes wearing them. Very versatile. So go to their site, load up your cart, two DVT twenty percent off. Rowback Crave activity. How would you rate this season, Rob? If and you could, I asked this to Pat. You can give it a number on a scale of one to ten, or you can give it a you know a short description or one word. How, how would you do, how would you rate this season? I'll get back to your question, but we got to do a beer review real yes. quick. Yeah, go for so, it. So I've got your question, and this is a moment. This is a moment. We are in a moment here for non-alcoholic beers across the world. I just True. want you to know that. So. Uh, no, this moment. So there was a time when I first started drinking non-alcoholic beers after I stopped drinking, and I had a Sam Adams, just the um, just the haze, and that is their non-alcoholic hazy IPA, uh, and I was like, "Whole oh, wow, this is like a leap forward for non-alcoholic beers. This is like a good hazy IPA without any alcohol in it." This is the second time in my years of of not drinking. And I got this uh, athletic brewing fireside brew lodge life right here. And this thing is inspired by the days of cabin and nights around the fire. Lodge life is a campfire brew crafted with cinnamon, vanilla, cacan uh, nibs with uh, smoked malt undertones and a hint of s'mores. Oh, my Lord. This thing is a non-alcoholic beer that tastes as good and i'm willing to say this as probably like some of the better like holiday um stouts that are that are out there i like probably like i could i could definitely pass this off easily for just like a an alcoholic um beer up there with um Christmas morning, probably like that's how good this thing is. It is that good. Um, that's what it, I had it, on the. Uh, that's what I had on the pod last week, right? Yeah. So uh, those those kind of winter warmer type stouts. Is, is it a stout yeah. or is it a lager? Yes. Like okay, it's a no, stout. this is a stout. Okay. And um, yeah, it is. It's phenomenal. This is in my estimation, and I've drank a lot of lot of beer over my life. Uh, a big step forward in the non alcoholic game. And uh, how's the forward? How's the the feel of it like? Because sometimes I find with non-alcoholics that they're a yep. little light; they kind of feel thin. Yeah, not this one. Okay. It's got it's got some body. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna be like, it's got some girth to it. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, 
no, it's got body to it. It is a very, very good beer. So I highly suggest it. You have to get it through the website. Uh, and again, Athletic is not a sponsor, but we should be getting money from them by this point. And uh, this is a big uh, leap forward, I think, for the the craft non-alcoholic uh, game. So what are you having over there? I had actually texted Robbie a picture uh, from the beer store because I saw they had Bush N.A. I didn't know yeah. Bush N.A. existed. And I sent it to him as a joke because Robbie didn't like Budweiser or Bush or any of those when he was drinking beer. And I certainly right. know he's not <laughs> drinking the N.A. stuff. But you're like, oh, my brother drinks that. <laughs> yeah, my brother drinks uh, Bush. He comes over with like, you know, a 12-pack of Bush N.A. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like you, you, you don't drink anymore and you still won't buy any good beer for yourself. But. I am having a victory beer called Road to Victory, which felt appropriate due to our big win. Now, if you look at the can, you can tell there's a certain uh, certain NFL team tie in there, which mm-hmm. I'm sure half of our listeners won't appreciate. But the Eagles have been on a roll. The beer is good. It's kind of like a West Coast feel to it. It's not it's not your New England sweet hazy. It is it's a it's a darker, true IPA, a little bit of West Coast a little bit of West coast haze in there. Uh, but it's, it's very good. If you're a traditional IPA drinker, 7% delicious, actually really, really good beer. And I, it's by victory brewing. And that's thus the road to victory name makes a lot of sense based out of Pennsylvania. Their beers are awesome. Victory has made so many good beers over the years and their quality has not let up despite the fact that they're have been expanding and have better distribution and all that stuff. But the road to victory IPA is, is very solid and and I had to drink it in honor of us getting that big victory. Love it. Back to my rate the season question, Rob. Yes. Um, scale of one to ten is that you said I, I should try and rate the season as. Um, I'm gonna try and eliminate the recency bias because it was a twelve game season that mm-hmm. we had over the course of put on your yeah. committee hat. Evaluate all 12 games. (laughs) Um, And I'm ranking in my enjoyment or performance, I guess, what am I ranking or both? It's really up to you, man. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to rate it because I'm going to put some weight on some of the struggles towards the earlier part of the season. It it was ugly. Uh, I'm going to rate it a six and a half, maybe a six. And here's why six wins. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still pissed that drones wasn't starting from the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a lot to be, I know we ended on a high note, but I have a lot of questions still about why that was you and I, if you go back and listen to the podcast of the first game that drones started and our reaction, and it was not a great game. And you and I, both and i think you asked me you're like you still think you know drones is the answer and i said unequivocally like absolutely what he puts on the field gives this team absolutely the best chance to win because he is made for the offense that uh, makes us most successful he is more mobile he can get out of the pocket he can throw on the run he can get yards on the ground with his feet he has good vision. He, he is not the best thrower. We know that. Durable. We have seen that over the course of the season. But no doubt he gives us the best chance to win games. And I'm still wondering, and nothing against Grant Wells, why he wasn't starting from year one or game one. So that's what pulls me down to like that six, 
taking the full season into account, not just the recency of my excitement over stomping UVA. But if you were going strictly pass, fail, or positive, negative, you're on, it's a positive, it's a pass. Yeah, it could, this, yes, to put, to pull the team out of where this could have gone, there have been seasons for teams like FSU, um, there's been, there's been really good, talented teams with good talent on them that have hit roadblocks and they have just, Miami does a lot and it just goes up in a ball of flames. So for Pry and the coaching staff and the players themselves to pick themselves up and still kind of finish out a good season and uh, make it to a bowl game, that says a lot because they could have they could have gone the other direction and, and started to pack it in. Yeah, things can go off the rails real quick. And there was a point in this season that there was fear that we were going to win two or three games. There, yeah. there, that was legitimate fear. Like, how are we going to beat any ACC teams with the way that we're playing right now? And I was so encouraged by the growth that we saw throughout the year. And improvement was always the name of the game this year. It was, it was always about improvement more than the record. We knew we weren't winning the national championship and or making the playoff. So everything down from that is like, can you just improve? Can you show me that we're moving in the right direction? And through the first four games, no, we weren't yeah. seeing that. And that was, it struck fear into a lot of Hokie fans. I, I had a lot of phone calls with close friends of mine that were like, I, I don't know. I don't, where, what's happening? Where, where are we going for, from here? And pit game, we moved forward after that. And the whole season was different. Yeah. And we saw the growth, the improvement, that we had wanted. Are there black eyes? Yeah, there are. There's some spots on the roster. There's maybe a few coaching things where you're like, mm, not so sure why, why that happened or why we're so bad here. But ultimately, it's a very positive season. For me, I thought we'd go six and six. I said I'd be very happy with six and six, and that's exactly where we are. And so I I feel fantastic, especially with that recency bias. Like yes. if, if you factor that in, on top of just looking at it as a whole, because think about this: we start off four and zero, and we finish six and six. This has a totally different feel. Oh yeah, at, at the finish matters. It matters big time. And some people may point to like the Louisville game and what happened there. And here's here's how I quote it for the last time for this season. Back to golf. So I was talking to a guy that has just started to pick up golf um, and he's been trying to get his handicap lower. And then all of a sudden he hit like a roadblock and his like his scores like shot up, but like he was shooting, got down to like shooting low eighties and all of a sudden it shot up to like mid high eighties. And I've spent my whole life playing golf. And I, what I said to him was when you're improving, there are times that you're going to go through the ebbs and flows and have a regression that it's going to go back to being the way that you used to play for a few rounds or maybe a week or whatever the case may be. It's part of getting better and better at golf. It's, it's just the way that it goes. If you're trying to get down to like a low handicap, single digit or, you know, near scratch golfer, you're going to have times where you go out and you're like, I don't even know how to play this game right now. And that happens. And that's what I think of when I think of that Louisville game. One, we played a really good team and, you know, they kind of, they, they stomped us, but that is the normal thing that should happen if you are a team getting better. 
you're going to play well, you're going to play well, you're, and then you're going to come out and you're going to be like, how the hell do we score points? What is going on? And you're going to have a bad week. That is a sign and that is totally normal to me in progressing and becoming a better team. What is not is what we saw in those first four games, right? That was not, that didn't look like a team that was just, you know, uh, hitting kind of a quick rough patch that just it looked disjointed and it didn't make any sense the last eight games yeah we had we had some kind of black eyes in there but it looked normal as a team that's progressing and slowly getting better together um, and a coaching staff that's coming together and so often improvement is not linear just as you described you take two steps forward you take a step back that's how it goes when you're healing from an injury or if you're trying to learn something, sometimes you have two good tests, you have a bad test, and then the next time it, it goes better. And from that Marshall game on, we really had that. Now, and we got to the bowl. We have a quarterback seemingly going forward as long as we transfer portal <laughs> nonsense doesn't take place. You know, anything can happen in today's game. The recruiting seems to be upticking. We have an identity on offense. That's all things we wanted to see by the end yeah. of the season. And so it was not linear. But what we saw with Florida State and Louisville and NC State in between those good things, that's that's that progression that you see yep. the up, down, up, down, up, down. But it, it ultimately has a has a ver- yeah. like a horizontal vertical slope. Yeah. Don't ask me to do. Don't, don't, don't ask me to do. <laughs> We're moving up into the right. <laughs> yeah. Up up into the right with uh, you know, some setbacks here and there, but that's that's what's supposed to happen as long as right. the trajectory is heading the right direction. Our final numbers in various parts of the team, from an ACC perspective and a national perspective, I want to start with the SP Plus. I want you to to give me a number or two that you thought that 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 stood out from this year, but the SP Plus was 96 last year. We finished this season at number 50. And that was this is in in offense. Like that so 96 on offense last year, 50 on offense this year. That was the eighth best improvement in FBS. I got these numbers from Doug Bowman on 247. Thank you Doug. He was on our show over the summer. It was the best improvement in the P5 in offensive SP+. Best improvement in the P5. Now, we were so bad that it does make sense that we would improve. But you know what? Iowa didn't improve. You know, yeah. there, there were a lot of teams that were really bad that did not improve. I wish I could go back and remember, because we talked about what the SP Plus could improve by this season. We're going to have to go back and listen to that podcast oh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. think about what we said. But I think we said... It like, wasn't 50. Top <laughs> no, we said that that would be a pretty like top 60 or something. We might have said top 50 would. It? Yeah, yeah. It, we said that that was possible, but very it was going to be take a lot of work to get there, given how high high that we were. But that is a remarkable year over year improvement, especially when you take into account that three of those or four of those games weren't with the quarterback that you finished with the last eight games uh, with as well. Very, very true. We had on offense 32.1 points per game in ACC play. That was our fifth highest point total since joining the ACC. That's been 20 years. And so this season, points per game, ACC play only, 32 points per game. That is, for some years, we would have killed for 32 points per game. And we got it out of this offensive line and this team. Pretty wild. Um, 
Do you have anything over there for? I have a lot of stats, but I did them at a player level. That's fine. Yeah, Yeah. let's do some players. Yeah, so I like getting into the weeds, and uh, Pete's better with pulling out the stats for um, like all the teams and S and P and all that. I'm good at getting into player numbers as well. So uh, drones. So 58% completion percentage. I was actually kind of shocked about this next part. He threw 15 touchdowns. He only had three interceptions. Yeah, that's outstanding. That is outstanding. <laughs> I, I I don't know why I thought that those numbers, I, for some reason I thought, you know, he probably threw eight interceptions or something like that. Three interceptions on the year, 15 touchdowns, 642 more yards on the ground to go with uh, what he did through the air and four more rushing touchdowns. So 19, almost 20 touchdowns uh, through eight games. Not not too shabby, if uh, if you're asking me. Uh, Tootin, 4.7 yards per carry on the season, 727 yards and eight touchdowns. He also had 220 receiving and two more touchdowns. So 10 for him, which was um, amazing. And then um, leading in receptions for us was Felton. And I, I think it's, it's hard. It's kind of a three-headed monster, but I think what saved this season was drones. But I think like a 1A and a 1B has to be Tootin and then Felton needs a big, big shout out. Because think about how this this year started. We're like, Lane gets hurt. Allie Jennings goes out for the season. And we're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And Felton comes in and he had 667 yards eight touchdowns on 38 receptions. Um, and think about what he did in the last three games alone. Yeah. I mean, it was over 300 mm-hmm. and four TDs in the last three games. Uh, yep. It's late because Lane was in front of him in yards for, mm-hmm. for a good portion of the year. And both yep. of them finished with over 500 yards and over six touchdowns. Yep. So that that was is really special uh, to have those playmakers like him, those two guys in Tootin. You're 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 dead on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty one receptions for touchdowns as a team in twenty twenty three. Twenty one in two twenty twenty two we had nine, so wow. we more than doubled <laughs> our TD receptions this year, which is just fantastic. Let's t- defensive overall twenty third in total defense. We finished the year. Fourth in the ACC in total defense and yards per play on defense. So that, that's fourth in the conference. That's pretty, pretty damn good. And if you look at the, the sacks, yep. eighth in sacks per game, tied with Florida State for the top in the ACC. Wow. That, that's something we wanted before the season. We yep. wanted to see Saxburg come back, and yep. it's back. I mean, you finished tied for first in the ACC with Florida State. With, yeah. with NFL guys on their D-line? And, yeah, I, I think you I think you have to give a real hats off to APR and a changing of the mindset on that defensive line. That I, I know we have some good guys on that line, but before the season, you and I talked about the commentary that people had about APR when they were in spring, and they said, man, this guy just, wants to get after the quarterback it's been a while since we've seen that and it's really it was immediate it was immediate wants to and he has good spin moves he's got gets off of blocks well and i think at the end 
when you saw what Cole Nelson was doing and you saw what Payne was doing and you saw, I think that was the culmination of APR's effect on the defensive line over the course of the year where those guys now felt felt comfortable making a quarterback's day living hell, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. And they all worked so well in that game. So, uh, you know, they had, we had some games where it it didn't go quite as well, but overall I think the defensive line had itself an outstanding year, quite frankly. They they sure did. APR finished 13th in the country in sacks per game, number two in the ACC from an individual standpoint. Dorian, sixth in the ACC in passes defended per game. And that 28.1 reception percentage, that's what I referenced earlier, number one among FBS corners. Wow. Number one in the country, 28% reception percentage. 36 snaps per reception was also number one. And Doug Doug said this in his article, by a wide margin. Because teams wow. just like avoid 36 snaps between receptions that's to the guys insane. he was covering. Yeah. That's like half a game. That's a half a game. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not mind blowing. Um and that's more than half a game for you know some of our, you know, some of the games that we played. That's that's incredible. Uh Tisdale um and Lawson. So we talked about the linebackers. It was a spotty year um throughout them. Kelly Lawson ended up leading the the team with 77 total sacks or tackles. He had a one and a half sacks. Tisdale was runner up with 68 tackles. Um, growth for next year, I think. Yeah. Improvement is what's needed for for those guys um, and and some of them. But um, there's there's no doubt. I think they have a you know Lawson in particular has a tremendous amount of upside, and uh, you know we'll we'll see. Special teams also, uh, I already mentioned the stat for, for John Love and what he yeah. did this season, but pretty he, remarkable for him. Yeah, and, and Tootin was fourth in the nation. Kick return, Tucker, number one in the ACC. And punt return, he's number one in the ACC in punt return. And and he, he why, why is he not first team? But that, I don't get it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Doug went into a couple, a, little, a couple more details, and then we'll get to our bold projections and, and our picks. He, his article, and I'll plug it one more time, was on the seven ways we improved this year and why we got to a bowl. And I would like to have Doug on when we're getting into portal season because I yep. feel like he could provide some insight. We had more big plays. We, me and you talked about it, 55 plays of 20-plus yards, only 38 last year. That's a sizable improvement. It's almost, I think, 30% improvement there. Yep. Uh, more missed tackles and more yards after catch. This year we generated 156 missed tackles. We had 82 last year. That's <sighs> that's nearly double, nearly yeah. double the amount of missed tackles. And that's in large part of Tootin. Our leader, leading rusher in missed tackles last year was King, 19. Tootin, this year, 61. <laughs> so so he, he tripled wow. Keyshawn King's total from last year as that's our leading missed tackle guy. So 500 more yards and yards after catch, 500 more yards and yards after contact, much better rushing team down the stretch. Our success rate and our average line yards just improved immensely, and those are those are how you win games. And uh, shout out to Doug because I, I really enjoyed that stat nerd article that he put out. Did you have any any final things before we move no, on? No, but just a reminder that all of those stats were accomplished with 
50% of the year, the offensive line being hot garbage, quite frankly. <laughs> and, and that still happened, which is yeah. in, remarkable. Um, if, if, if that offensive line continues and plays the way that they did against UVA, uh, I mean, for a full, for a full season, three fourths of a season, mm-hmm. hell, you know, take a couple games off, do it for 10 games and, you know, have two bad games that, that would be, um, those stats would be even better, which is, is pretty remarkable. And I want to say something about the offensive line and the portal, because this is going to be a big discussion topic. If you're asking me my number one and two needs in the portal, it is linebacker and defensive line. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is not number one, and I'll tell you why. Look at the age. Look at the number of young guys on this offensive line. Do we need some guys in the portal? Yes, but there are guys developing here. There there are. There is some guys that were starting this year that maybe – shouldn't be starting on an ACC team. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there there are options. We brought in so many offensive linemen in the last two classes. Some may hit the portal themselves to go find a place where they can play. Yep. But there's chance for development. A, a line having a line coach that's not a new one for the third time in three years, yep. that could be helpful. And so don't don't sell the future on some of the guys we already have in the program on offensive line. One of the reasons we were so bad at that position this year is because we're ridiculously young for the most part. Yeah. And the coach turnover. I definitely want one. Don't, don't get me wrong. If I can go grab a top offensive lineman from somewhere or just, you know, get me a center like a Brock Hoffman in the portal. Yes, I absolutely want that, but we do have options going forward at defensive tackle. It's it's a different story, man. We're gonna watch three of these guys walk out the door, and it could be four or five. So yeah. I, it it we need bodies. Like we we need bodies at on the defense in the linebacking core and on the D line more so than we need offensive line. Believe it or not, that's just my quick assessment there. Bowl projections. Where are we going, Rob? <laughs> what, what, what are you uh, thinking? Where do you want to go? What, what's our most likely destination? So. What I'm seeing, and it, it depends on where you're looking, the most I saw kind of voted for was Military Bowl, given that we're local, our fans would obviously show up in droves. Interestingly, Military versus SMU was one of the picks that I saw the most, uh, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, that would be funny. Obviously. I uh, saw a couple of Duke's Mayo Bowls. Everybody loves a good Duke's. They got great commercials. Uh, Mayo Bowl. I saw a Duke's Mayo Bowl against Kentucky. We have, we're no. starting to build no, starting to build you. a history with uh, Kentucky. Uh, I, I, I think that's one. a terrible matchup for us because of the way they run the ball. Like mm-hmm. I, I do not want to face a physical Kentucky team in a bowl game again. I, I, I really yeah. don't. I saw some other picks, but the, those were the ones that had kind of, I saw the most recurring picks for. I don't know what you heard or saw out there. The other one I saw the most was military with Memphis. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw that a number of times. Uh, Rice, UTSA, Navy, all were mentioned in the military bowl along with SMU. The other ones are much more unlikely. There was a Gasparilla bowl on there, which I thought would just be kind of funny. Cause that's in Tampa. Uh, yep. Rob remembers that from my bachelor party going down to that's Tampa. Right. That would be kind of fun. El Paso. No one wants to go to El Paso. Like yep. that's, that's what everyone says. My brother-in-law said the food is good there, but also the matchups would be tough. The one of them was USC. 
which well, say what you want about USC. We might score some points, but yeah, that, they're going to put up 60. But, they could, but would Caleb even play? It would be Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then UCLA. UCLA has a ferocious D-line. Yeah. They, they really do. And so I, I don't love either of those matchups. Holiday Bowl in San Diego could be kind of fun. I saw that one somewhere. Uh, first responder bowl in Texas seems seems like a doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But yep. I saw that one, and then the pinstripe bowl again doesn't seem like it would happen. But that would be against a Big Ten team. Could we yep. Maryland again? <laughs> no, 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 thank you. <laughs> no, please, no. I I think. It, it seemed like a lot was pointing towards military military bowl in particular because of who's played there the past couple seasons mm-hmm. uh, and them wanting to change it up a little bit. And that would lean heavily towards also a local fan base and we haven't played there in a little while. So I think that would probably be it, but you know, we say that and then we could end up in the pinstripe bowl, which yeah. nobody wants. Th- these things have a way of like, yeah, 90% of the time they go the way you think they're going to go. And then, then you get surprised. So yep, we shall see. I'm rooting for the military bowl one, because it's easier for me to get to it and the opponent would be beatable. So yeah. I I'm, I'm in for the military bowl picks, Rob, let's get to these conference championship game picks. Tons of stuff can happen. We talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, I'll put the I'll put the rankings back up on the screens just so you guys can follow along with some of the teams that are in these games. But we'll start with Oregon and Washington. Yep, this is a win and in game, but the line is this is not a pickle. <laughs> this no. is a heavy line towards the Ducks. The Ducks are nine and a half point favorites over Washington on a neutral field. Why? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, that is huge. I, I, I need to, I need to accuracy check there, but it, that is huge. I, I guess Oregon looks great and that makes sense. And, and, and Washington is, um, Washington but, has, they have not beaten guys down the way they did at the beginning of the year. And they true. just barely survived against Washington state. Uh, the rivalry were, game though. True, true. But the Arizona game was tight. The Arizona yeah. State game was tight. There was, there's been several times throughout this year where we thought, oh, Washington, the Utah game was was what they were losing that at one point. Um, yeah. So I think that's what's playing into it. I still think that nine and a half is too much, and I'm going to take the Huskies. But that line, it is stinky. Yeah. And the other thing, the the only other reason I don't, I could see a backdoor cover. They're just so easy. That's why I would be taking Washington. Mm-hmm. I could see them putting up whatever, 10 points with two minutes left and still losing the game, but getting a backdoor cover there, like no problem. Yeah, they're not gonna stop with Penix. Like they're gonna no. they're gonna keep coming. Next game. OK State against Texas. Texas has got to win this game if they want any shot at going. They are 12 and a half point favorites. Which does make more sense because they've been a top quality team all year long, and Oklahoma State almost blew it against BYU for a chance to be <laughs> in this game, but they didn't blow it. Gundy no. found a way to win seven of his last eight, uh, and if it wasn't for that letdown spot against UCF, they might have won eight of eight. But yeah. here we are. What you got on the twelve and a half point line? Another big line. Uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State twelve and a half. I think is. Too big. Yeah. I love Ollie Gordon. The way he's run the ball, 
He's been a workhorse. He did just have 34 carries against BYU. So I'm hoping that he's he's ready and raring to go. But they're college kids. They're young. So yeah. I'm going to take OK State as well, plus 12 and a half. Georgia against Alabama. I've been waiting for this game all season long. Been waffling back and forth in my playoff four on who I should put in. And I came darn close to picking Bama to win this game outright. I'm going to take Bama to cover. Because I think Milrow has shown enough growth throughout the year, and that defense on Alabama can slow back down enough that uh, that they're going to get the cover. But I think Georgia's going to win. What you got? I have Alabama in this game, and they've been building all season for this. And Alabama's eleven and one. It's it's remarkable considering they felt like they were dead so many times just because of close games and they ended up, they, they had an awesome season. So it's, it's kind of wild, but I'm going Alabama here. Moving on to SMU and Tulane. This is a big game in getting to a new year six. The winner could get there, but most likely it's Tulane's to lose. They are two and a half point favorites. SMU has been putting up a ton of points They're I think they're like fourth in FBS in, in points per game. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking Tulane. They, they've played some tight games, but the only game they lost, they didn't have their starting quarterback, and it was against a top Ole Miss team. Yeah. I think Tulane can get it done. SMU has lost their two losses. One was to Oklahoma, but one was to a bad TCU team. So I'm yep. taking Tulane. I'm taking the Mustangs because I'm, I'm riding ACC or die. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and now, see, this is funny because if the Mustangs win – and say for some reason the committee or and, and Liberty loses, yep. the Mustangs will be in the New Year Six, which means right. we're going to draw like Tulane in the military ball or something. Probably more than likely. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I don't want to play Tulane. No. <laughs> They're no. good. They're a good team. Um, all right, next game. Sunbelt. App State against Troy. Troy, six and a half point favorites. These teams last year played a classic. Came down to a Hail Mary. Troy. Almost a TD favorite, but App has ju- been just as hot as them since they lost to ODU. And Troy, I think they've won like 10, uh, 8 in a row. It's been it's yeah. been a ton. So uh, what are you going with here? I'm going with App in this game. I'm going to go with App as well. I, I like Ooh. the way they've been playing. They, yeah. they turned that corner kind of like we did at the same kind of time. And yep. I just feel like they, they have the momentum right now to at least cover. I don't know if they'll win but I like them to cover. And finally, Louisville against FSU in the ACC championship game. This was two and a half on the numbers I picked last night, but on the ESPN pick them, the one you guys are all doing with us, it is three and a half. Florida State is the favorite. And that that makes a difference. That hook, man. I'm taking Louisville because of that hook. If it was two and a half, I would have taken FSU. I'm doing the Bud Elliott. Like I'm, I'm following, you know, it, these little things, they can matter. And I know Brom is going to scheme something up for this. Yep. They just lost to Kentucky, so they're in bounce-back mode. Rodemaker didn't look good against Florida. I'm taking Louisville to cover three and a half. I think Florida State can squeak it out. I, th- I think so, but if Louisville's defense shows up, it could be a tough. It could be tough. They they could hold FSU, especially with the, you know, the quarterback situation uh, that, you know, that – if 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 FSU was full strength, I think this is a very much a different story. Mm-hmm. Like we all feel good, FSU is going to make it there in the playoff. Right now, this is 
this is kind of scary for FSU. I don't know that they're going to come out and win this thing. So I'm I'm taking Louisville, and I think they can keep it within the three and a half. Yeah. On the screen now, you can see my playoff four as of Monday. Ooh. And number one, I have Georgia. Number two, I have Michigan. Number three, I have Oregon. And number four, I have Florida State. This is what I did every week throughout the year on College Football Monday. And this is what I think – it's a prediction, and it's based on what I think the committee will do with all the data. And so my prediction is that Oregon's going to win. They're, they're going to win by a touchdown or so, right. and that Georgia and Michigan are going to win and be undefeated. Florida State's going to win and be undefeated, but they're going to slot Florida State in the four spot because of no Jordan Travis, which means Texas is getting left out. And, yep. the, and the reason I'm doing that is what I said earlier – Oregon has been ahead of Texas in every committee ranking. And when Oregon beats a 12 and 0 team, they're not going to suddenly drop them behind. Like that's yep. the only way Texas can get in is winning, winning big and having Alabama win. That that's yeah. kind of what I feel. And, and of course, Florida, if Florida state loses, Florida then, state loses. Yeah. But like I, 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 from my prediction standpoint, I think Florida state's going to win. And that's my playoff four. would your playoff four differ. Um, so you have Georgia beating Alabama and um no I think that I, I would no I would still have Washington in there well I guess it's going to be so they beat them the first time so if they lose this then it's going to be Oregon so I guess you can't even do that so and, and we haven't even talked about Ohio it. State like Ohio State yeah. has an outside shot of getting in too if chaos really goes crazy but Ohio State needs three teams to lose basically I think that I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to buck the trend and I'm going to go with Washington. I've been picking them. Okay. I'm going to th- I'm okay. going to say that they they're going to get the win. Beat, they get the win, um, and they uh, they get in. But otherwise, I think it's the same. And do you I think? think- if, but if they win and they get in. They won't over. They won't overtake Georgia. They won't overtake Michigan. You don't so think they would overtake Michigan with a win over Oregon? That's a good question. I don't think they should. Yeah, I, they probably wouldn't. They probably. Wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I think Michigan has a real argument to be in the number one spot. Uh, after I that, think so too. They won. Yeah. So, and I know their strength of schedule is very is weak, but so so is Georgia's. Well, frankly. you know what could help Michigan to get that number one spot? UNLV winning the Mountain West. Because if Michigan beat UNLV, and because of computer rankings, UNLV is going to be playing Boise State for the Mountain West Championship. I kind of like Boise in that game, but that's just an interesting kind of sidebar to watch. Because if UNLV wins that game, Mountain West is a good league like that, yeah. and, and if you win it, that's something. Another game I'll be watching is uh, New Mexico State and Jerry Kill, and whether they can get that win over Liberty. And I'm I'm really hoping for Jerry Kill, rooting for Jerry Kill to get. We all love Jerry Kill. Yeah, we all love Jerry Kill, and I don't think many of us like Liberty. So, uh, that's that's one I want to happen. The only other ones we didn't talk about were uh, Big Ten. We wasn't on our pick sheet, but like Michigan's going to crush. Like if Iowa won that game, that would be that would be preposterous. (laughs) Yeah, it would it would be like a twelve nine game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, but like the upset 
would be one for the ages. Like, oh it, yeah, it would be like Pitt over West Virginia on that last yes. week. You know, I'm just saying that the score would have to be like yeah, 12, twelve to nine. So, yeah, yes, yeah, it would be. Well, would the be over bizarre. The team bizarre total for safety. Iowa last week in that Nebraska game was twelve. The, the <laughs> team total and Bud Elliott took the under, which he ended up losing on the last field goal. But like, it looked good <laughs> for a while there. The, the, te- the team total incredible. of twelve. Uh, I've been meaning to look up what uh, what's happening with um, Ferentz's son's you know, contract, uh, and well, he's he's, gone. he's he's out. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Because he, he had to, he had to make that. They didn't point. even get close. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't even get close to that. But I wanted to see what his scores came in at versus yeah. like what he had to achieve. It was like thirty points a game or something like that. And I think he they averaged like ten. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, that is going to do it for the pod. This was a little longer because we wanted to get through some of the season accolades and all that kind of stuff. But what a win over UVA! It it makes for an ex- immensely immensely satisfying season. I know Rob feels the same way. Absolutely. Next week, there's going to be a college football Monday in which I will be recapping the championship games. Rob and I, and and in that episode, I will be going over where VT gets selected in their bowl. And if Robbie wants to join me, he's more than welcome. But I don't think we will be recording too deep next week. We will be doing some portal coverage. We will be doing our bowl preview and all that nonsense. But we do also need a week off after after what has been a long season. But you're gonna get on Monday, you're gonna get all the all the bowl reaction in VT Corner on CFB Monday. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, make sure you're also subscribed, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or the 2D feed on YouTube. It's the Sons of Saturday Podcast channel. That's where I'm at on every Monday. You can see all of our all of our pods on there, all the graphics we've made throughout the year. I actually cannot believe the season's over, Rob. It's incredible. <laughs> it's gone by so fast. Go, every season it goes by so fast. <laughs> and we're already we're already outside of Thanksgiving. Christmas is on the way, but this year we do get a bowl. So subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. And make sure you like the video on YouTube. That helps us out. And until next time, when we are talking to you about some portal additions, some portal subscriptions, subtractions. And of course, the bowl game, go Hokies.